The Fresh Fiction Podcast is brought to you by Ravel and Bethany House, publishers of A Defense of Honor by Christy Ann Hunter. Christy joined me today to talk about A Defense of Honor, the challenges of finishing that first book after having a graveyard of unfinished books, the ease of slipping into Regency England as a storyteller, and creating the perfect costumes for an upcoming historical romance writers conference this fall. If you love what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to the Fresh Fiction Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or any of your other favorite podcast apps. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram by following at Real Vixen. I love talking with Christy today so much, so I hope you really enjoy our conversation. And welcome back to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. I'm now joined with Christy Ann Hunter, the author of the new book, A Defense of Honor. Christy, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm happy to be here. Um, We were just talking before we started recording about how you have a lot of travel coming up in the fall. Um, Are you, is that one of the more fun parts of your job is kind of getting to go to these different events and connect with readers? I love when I get to be face-to-face with readers because I spend so much time uh, just me and my computer screen and all the imaginary people in my head. So (laughs) it's so much fun to get to go out and just meet with readers who get to love your books and enjoy your books. And they don't get to see all the angst and all the long days of typing and everything. They just get to love the finished product. So um, it really helps re-energize me to get to be with them and see uh, how much they enjoy reading. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite parts too, is getting to go to different conferences. And now that we're kind of entering conference season, it's uh, it's so exciting. I just love meeting with authors and readers too. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to um, a couple of writers conventions, but I'm really looking forward to going to the Historic Romance Retreat and meeting with readers in September. Yeah, you were saying this is your first time going. Previously, it had been in Spokane, and this year it's actually moving to California. Is that correct? Yes, it's going to be in California at the Mission Inn, and so I've seen pictures. It's beautiful, um, and I'm getting my costumes ready. Oh my so goodness, that I you're can... going to wear your costumes? Oh yes, I'm going to wear my costumes. Um, I've got a Regency dress to wear, of course, and um, I have a flapper dress that I'm Ooh. going to be wearing for speakeasy night, so I'm very excited about that. Oh, that's so cool. Did you um, get them commissioned, or are you making them yourself? My mom made them. What? That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So my mom made them, um, and so they're custom fitted. So that's always nice. Yes, absolutely. You're like, they're for me and they fit my body and it's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> that's so cool. So your mom's a seamstress or is she just, uh, she's just always kind of made clothes. Well, no, she hates making clothes. She loves okay. sewing everything else, but she hates making clothes, but she does it for me. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Do you have any sisters or brothers? Um, I have a brother. Okay. I was going to say, cause it's, it's nice. She probably likes spoiling you that way. Yes, so I, I don't think he's ever asked her to sew anything for him. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's just me. Um, although I do think she made him curtains. Oh, that's cool. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. I love having, it must be really nice to have a handy mom. <laughs> it, it is. It's very nice. Um, she has all the craft skills. I do not. So <laughs> I get to turn to her. <laughs> well, the good thing is that you are still an artist because you're a writer. Um, how did you first get into writing? Um, writing sort of came in, um, a bit of a backdoor for me. It was always just kind of something. I love books from as long as I can remember. There's always been books. Um, but I actually was more, a little more technical in school, I guess. I was 
very very good in math, science. Um, but whenever there was a project that had a creative writing element option, mm-hmm. I always took it. And so I always took like the make the journal for the character project or, you know, <laughs> what happened at the end of the book? Continue the story. I always took that project um, because that was so much more interesting to me to take that project. Yeah. And um, but then I went to Georgia Tech and kind of left that behind and um, spent 10 years doing corporate business systems, information technology, um, data mining uh, sort of things. And then I had children and decided to stay home with them and had the time to let creativity flow again and started writing and um, entering contests and finally got found through a contest and the rest, as they say, is history. That's so cool. That's really, you know, I, I love the, I hear that story a lot about a, um, a lot of moms who stayed home with their kiddos and then had that time to become a writer and really were searching for that creative output or outlet, excuse me. And, um, and then it turns into this career. And were you kind of expecting to have a writing career or were you just kind of like, I'm writing to enjoy this for myself and then maybe something will come from it? Uh, it started off kind of just to, to see if I could do it Okay. almost um, because I've always tried to have a graveyard of beginnings of books from since I was a teenager. Sure. Um, so it was one of those things of just let me see if I can actually finish one. And then once I did, it was kind of like, okay, now I'm going to try to make this a career. I, I finished this. I can do this. So I want to make it a career now. It's something I can do from home and still be with my kids. That's fantastic. Well, and I, so I, um, so a noble masquerade was your first one, correct? And that was the first also in the Hawthorne's, the Hawthorne house. How far within your sort of trying to write was that book found or was that like the first one you were working on and just kind of worked and worked and worked until it kind of became this full bodied piece? Well, there was actually a story before a noble masquerade. It is, it turned into a novella. That's called A Lady of Esteem. You can get it. It's a free e-novella. And, and that was actually the first story I wrote. And I just kept rewriting and rewriting and rewriting that one. I think I has 10 different versions on my wow. computer somewhere. <laughs> Until um, I finally said, I'm going to put that aside and move on to the next story in the idea of a series that I had. And that is what became A Noble Masquerade. And then we went back and picked up the old story and kind of reworked it into a novella so that everyone could have that early part of the story and lead into the series. Um, but that first story, you know, I just kind of hung on to it with a death grip and just kept rewriting it and rewriting it and rewriting it wow. until I figured out how to write. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to see that it was a short story and not a fully, you know, a, a full book at that point. <laughs> Uh, but it had been at one point, it had been everywhere from 40,000 words to 90,000 words and everywhere in between. It was, it was lots of different versions and lots of, um, experiments and me learning how to write Yeah, with that book. Well, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, what they always say is the best way of learning is to just throw yourself into it and do it. Absolutely. You learn much more by doing it than you do um, just by listening to other people talk about it. Absolutely. Well, and so you've always written historical fiction. Was that your favorite genre to read before, or is that just where your voice fit? Um, it was It was my favorite genre to imagine. Um, okay. I loved, I love reading all over the place, um, but... I guess because it was more of an escape, it was the one I would like to sit and make up stories for and imagine because it was completely different 
than my current life. And so that's where the first story started coming from when I started putting them together. It was easier to imagine something completely different than what I have. Um, and I love Regency England. I've always loved Regency England. Um, half my bookshelf is books set in Regency England. So, um, that was an easy world to slip into. Yeah. And had you had a chance before you started writing, had you been to London and have you had a chance to go since you started writing? I did have a chance to go to London, um, as a teenager, but I have not had a chance to go back since I started writing. So that's definitely on my short list to do. Um, cause I would go to different places now <laughs> as a writer For than sure. I did as just a tourist checking out, um, checking out London. So yeah. I definitely want to get back to England very soon. Yeah. That would be fantastic. I imagine to take, be even able to take your books there and say like, Oh, these are the places my books are based in. Yes. Um, Google Maps is lovely because <laughs> I can go walk down the street and kind of look at the buildings and mm-hmm. things, but it would be nice to um, do it myself. So with um, A Defense of Honor, which is the first in your new Haven Manor series, um, go ahead yeah. and tell us a little bit about the book. Um, so this book is, it's about a young woman um, who, well, I guess she's she's not so young by Regency standards. She's um in her low thirties. Uh, so by GC standards, she's a little older. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has, um, life has not been very kind to her. She's had some consequences from des- some decisions that have made her, um, kind of take some other paths in life. And she's trying to make the best of that by helping other women not get stuck in the same places that she's been stuck. And she gets a little bit misguided in her attempts to help them and she runs across a guy who um has always had a really nice life but he wants more he wants there to be purpose and so between the two of them they kind of manage to um become better together and i think that is what um true partnership is in life where they can accomplish more together than they could apart so they're both they both have, are trying to find a purpose um, and try to help people and be more, and um, they provide the missing piece for the other so that together they can do really great things. So with the um, the romantic elements of the book, which are I always enjoy because I love the character development and, and how you find you just see the depth of people by based on who they fall in love with and how love works for them in their lives. How do you um, sort of decide the, the right character, the right partner for your characters, but then also with something like with Kit and Graham, that they, they really are much better at completing each other and are better together than they are apart. I think when I'm trying to uh, come up with the characters, I always look for um, each half of the couple to bring what the other half is missing. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this case, Kit is um, so focused on her purpose that she has become completely mired and serious and everything is like life or death. And Graham brings a bit of fun and joy back into her life. Yeah. Um, and so at the same time, she helps him see where there are really serious moments that need a lot of care and work, but he helps her see the joy in life as well. And I think when a couple comes together and they can trust each other enough to grow together, 
they, that makes a really strong love. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with that. And that's just always so for, as a reader, it's just, I don't know. It's always such a special magical moment to be able to get to watch something like that unfold in front of us. It is. It's so nice because it's so hard to open up to the people when you meet somebody new and it's kind of like, when do you decide that you can trust them Mm -hmm. with those inner parts of you that are so vulnerable and taking that journey with someone else lets you not just enjoy their story, but also learn stuff about yourself on the way too. Yeah. Do you hear that a lot from readers that they kind of learn something after they've read their books about themselves? I do. I get lots of emails from people who are like, I really related to this moment when she realized this and it made me see this other thing. And I, and I always sit there and go, wow, I didn't even know I put that in there. But good. <laughs> That that was always my favorite thing in like in high school and like taking English classes in college and stuff and like the critics or the the readers would get into the books and they would see something that uh, the I imagine I always imagine it's like the author probably just like put that together and had no idea what they were doing <laughs> and yes. then somebody sees like a deeper meaning in in the words which is it must be really special for you as an author to have that response back from your readers as well. Oh, it, it completely is. Um, when people see things, um, because everybody brings their own views to the table uh, when they read a book, they have their own life experiences that they see things through. And so they'll, uh, just a turn of phrase or an action, they'll see it so differently than the way I did when I wrote it. And I think that is such a wonderful thing about taking a journey with these characters is you get to see it. It's a little bit of a different experience for every reader, mm-hmm. which is really cool really really personal yeah for sure and with and with kit and graham being the um the opening couple for this new series what have you imagined for the stories that you're going to be telling in the rest of the series for the whole series there's kind of a running theme through the whole series of um being able to forgive yourself uh for the past and realize that um you still have worth and purpose and you're still loved even if you mess up and um, because i think so many times we mess up in life and we will just think that that has ruined us that we're not lovable or we're not worthy or we are just too broken um because we've made a poor choice or we've made a mistake or we've stumbled somewhere along the way and um that's really hard for us to live with sometimes the guilt or the shame that comes with that mistake. And so that's kind of a running theme through the whole three books is looking at that from different angles. Um, each of the three women have different pasts that they are having to come to terms with. And, um, so that's going to change how they look at that and what they have to do. And, um, but that's going to, that's kind of the running theme through the whole series. I think that that's something that again, readers are easily going to identify with that. Yes, I think because everybody has messed up. There's nobody that hasn't made a mistake somewhere in life. Mm -hmm. So I think it's something that everybody can relate to. For sure. And forgiveness coming from your your community as well as yourself is so important. Yes, because I think we sometimes forgiving ourselves is the hardest part. Yeah. Because we know every little horrible thing we've ever done. And it just sits there. That's what we sit there and think about at night. And, And so forgiving ourselves is sometimes the hardest part of moving forward. Absolutely. Well, speaking of forgiveness, um, when we have our free time and we forgive ourselves for not working and and taking a moment to enjoy some pop culture, um, I'm curious to know from you what, uh, what you have been reading, watching, and listening to recently. 
Um, okay. Um, well, listening to, I always have music on. There's oh. constantly music at our house. I, I write by it. I write to movie soundtracks. I can't write to words, but mm-hmm. movie soundtracks are playing when I'm writing. Um, we have classical music playing when my kids are doing homework. Um, and it's very eclectic. I have an inspiration playlist for every book that I'm writing because I plot to music and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think the book I'm working on right now, it's got Casting Crowns is in there, but also like Sawyer Brown and the Cranberries and Pink. So <laughs> it's a very wide variety. Very eclectic. I love that. <laughs> um, I think right now I've been listening to um, an album called Lifer by Mercy Me mm-hmm. and has been playing a lot at our house and um, a fairly new group called Bon Ray. And so that's what I'm listening to right now. And um, what was the other one? Reading? Uh, reading. Yep. Reading. Um, well, I've done a lot of contest reading lately, so I can't talk about that. Okay. Yep. We can just skip right <laughs> but, past. <laughs> but the other, but the books I've been reading otherwise, um, it's getting kind of hot in Georgia. So I did kind of take a little Christmas trip and I read um, some Christmas novellas recently by Melissa Tagg. So I could kind of go visit the snow oh, <laughs> instead, of, <laughs> instead of all the heat outside. Cause it's starting to hit the nineties here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did uh, just read her um, Christmas collection, some novellas, and it's entitled Enchanted. Um, so I went and visited the snow, and I'm about to start Karen Wittemeyer's new book, um, More Than Meets the Eye, which came out with a defensive honor. They share a book birthday. So, um, so I kind of figured that was a good way to celebrate. Um, yep, absolutely good company. <laughs> yes. And, and then and watching. If you watch TV or movies. Um, I don't watch a lot of TV, um, but I do like movies and I like documentaries. Um, I'm a little behind. I love the Marvel movies, but I'm a little behind. Mm -hmm. We just managed to watch Thor Ragnarok. So (laughs) I'm way behind. (laughs) But um, I did just watch that, in fact, just this past weekend and enjoyed it. Um, But I like like a cheesy rom-com. I actually like little teeny bopper flicks. Um, but all of those are way behind too, um, because by the time the kids get to bed, we're like ready to hit the bed. Right. So, and you, you know, um, so I see a lot of Inspector Gadget, and <laughs> you know, I see a lot of that with the kids in the house. But um, when it's time for us to watch TV, it's usually um, like a stand-up comic or um, something that's shorter, like yeah. that, that we can get off Netflix. For sure. I feel the same way. I, I'm always so like time constrained. And so I watch a lot more comedies now because you can get like two or three episodes done in the same time period that you'd watch one yes. episode of a drama. Yes. Um, so, well, we don't have cable, so it's got to be on Netflix. You got to find it on Netflix. <laughs> so we're behind. We're always behind because it takes about a year or two for things to show up on Netflix. For sure. Yeah. And so they have so much of their original content too, which is really cool. I just saw um, Abiza, which was like a little rom com that they that they put out a couple weeks ago, and it was really cute. I really enjoyed it. Yes, I love that they had original movies at Christmas because I always love mm-hmm. the little cheesy Christmas romantic comedies. Um, I love those, so I was really excited when they came out with some of their own at Christmas, and so I was able to kind of watch those because. Yeah. Since we don't have television, I don't get Hallmark, so I can't watch all the Hallmark movies. I know, and it's so sad because they have so many, but yeah, it's really cool that Netflix has options. I know, like, The Christmas Prince, which was, like, their big one last year, is going to have a sequel this this fall, so that'll be great. Oh, that's really good. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, but comedy is a great way to unwind, Um, so we've got... I know they've got a lot of stand-up comics on there, too, and they're starting to have their own specials. Like, they had the Jerry Seinfeld special. Mm-hmm. Um, was really good. It was really funny. And so we enjoyed watching that. And um, 
uh, they have several. Gabriel Iglesias is another comedian. Oh, I, I really love him. To watch. Yeah, he's funny. <laughs> Well, um, well, Christy, we are actually almost out of time, but before I let you go, how would, um, how do reader, how do readers find out more about you and stay connected with you? Um, they can go to christyannhunter.com and they can get links to, uh, join my newsletter, um, or to find me on social media. I'm usually hanging out on Facebook or on Instagram. Um, on Facebook, I have a little reader group of people who like to book chat and, and talk about weird things that we find on the internet and things like that. Um, and it's called Christiane Hunter's good little readers. So they can come and join me there. Um, and we will just talk about all the funny things that we run into in life and books that we read. And it's a great time. Awesome. That sounds great. Well, Christiane, thank you so much for um, taking the time to talk with me today and congratulations again on a defense of honor. And I cannot wait to read the next one in the series. Well, thank you. I can't wait to share it. I'm so excited to share this series. I've been working on it for a while, and I'm so glad that it's finally out. I'd like to extend my thanks to Christy Ann Hunter for joining me today. You can find A Defense of Honor anywhere books are sold. Thank you to Ravel Books and Bethany House for their continued support of the podcast. Make sure you stop by freshfiction.com to find out more about Christy and any other Ravel and Bethany House authors. We're still growing, so please help us out by subscribing and rating the podcast, leaving a comment, or even just sharing it on social media. You can find us on Twitter as Fresh Fiction, Instagram as Fresh Fiction, or on Facebook. Until next time, happy reading.